shit here we go again welcome back to another episode of the twin bill podcast brought to you by nyy news tv be sure to like comment subscribe share out as well uh turn on that notification bell so you know when game season is live a live chat is live a podcast is live or a video comes out overall um we haven't done this in a while we haven't done a recorded podcast in a while um it's usually much more fun of course with you guys in the live chat, and I bet we will be in the premiere chat. But with that being said, Pete is going to the Flying Squirrels versus um, Somerset Patriots game, so he will not be able to coordinate and uh, be the admin of a live podcast. However, we still have stuff to talk about. We still have some fillers. Uh, the Yankees lost to the Mets in game one, which I'm not so happy about, and uh, game two isn't necessarily giving me the greatest of vibes. We'll talk about some rumors in the countdown to the deadline. We'll talk about a little bit about the Somerset story. And I know, obviously, Pete gave a vague version of it. Um, but we'll go a little bit into detail. And then at the end, we'll predict who the Yankees are going to get, who they'll miss out on at the deadline. But, uh, Luca, how are you feeling about the Yankees? I know they obviously won that series against the O's, had that off day. And, well, uh Game one versus the Mets, you don't feel positive. I don't really feel positive about the second half, Alex. Like, it started off miserably because Thursday, that Thursday with the doubleheader, it seemed like they kind of mailed it in. I said it from the beginning. Like, that first game we lost, obviously. But the second game with Herman pitching in that C lineup, it looked like they were just going to mail it in. So be it. We're going to lay back and we're not going to compete. But I don't like that whatsoever. It even sucks that Herman's going to be starting on Wednesday. I know this is going to be coming out on the same day, but starting Herman seems like a laid back move. Like we'll take the loss. I don't like the mentality whatsoever. I don't, especially when you have to chase the Astros for the first seed in the American League. Because again, the first seed determines home field advantage. Do you want the – if the Yankees somehow play the Astros, they probably will. If they get past the American League Division Series, do you want them with the home field advantage? I think I want the Yankees with the home field advantage, obviously. But right now they just can't compete with the Astros. Right now, um, you know, everybody's going to go out and say with the um, whole Mets loss, oh, the Mets are on New York. They're the better team, this and this, Yankee fans on whatever. I don't – the Mets are a good team, not going to lie to you. But I also think that the Yankees are a better team. You know, I think the bull. I think the Mets' bullpen is worse than the Yankees. The Mets have a worse catcher position. There's nobody there that is has a good enough bat. Um, but I, could I say they're more balanced? Yeah, a little bit. But I also do think the Mets need some pop. Still, I know they're working on a Mancini deal, but regardless, um, the Yankees shot themselves in the foot today. Runners in scoring position, bad plays in the field. You know, Jordan Montgomery shitting the bed in the first inning. So that 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 pretty much summarizes what the Mets loss looked like. I don't care about the Orioles series. I think we should have swept them. Even with Garrett Cole's piss poor performance, I think they should have swept them. But they blew it. Yeah, I'm a little weirded out by some fans' reaction. And 
Uh, I, I have some friends that are really defenders of Jordan Montgomery. And people were like, oh, well, nobody says anything if Montgomery pitches good like he did against the Astros, but everybody's up in arms about this Mets loss. And I'm like, if Montgomery isn't an issue, if everybody gets on our people, because I know a lot of folks got on Chris Stacy of NYYST for giving Cole a C grade on the year so far, if he's not the issue and we're overreacting, What's the reason for Luis Castillo? Why is everybody saying Luis Castillo? Exactly. We don't know with Sevi. We don't know with Sevi. Like, when is he coming back? I haven't heard anything. Maybe I'm just deaf tone to that stuff because I'm like, Sevi's been injured before. How long is this going to last? I'm not necessarily happy that the New York Yankees kind of shaded from us that Giancarlo Stanton was hurt. We all knew it. I, I said it. You probably said it. I know on Sunday, Matt Riley said it. Uh, one of our good friends that came with us to Somerset, he's like, Stan's probably hurt. So, if anything, at least in so that scenario. I right, got to interrupt you there. I think, you know, if you mention that Stan goes in the aisle, like he's somewhat hurt. You know, what did they say? That he was tired, that he was a little exhausted. Okay. I think it's a, called a leverage move. I'll tell you exactly why. Okay. If the Yankees go out and say that Stan's hurt, like, before that, they placed him on the IL. I think it raises the asking price for Benintendi, for a Brian Reynolds. It just decreases their leverage. But what about now, though? I understand. Could... I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just trying to summarize it from a Right, Yankee. no, I understand, but it's it's a weird position to be in. It's a weird situation because you're, I understand your point, but what about now? What if they just kept him on the bench and they said they were arresting him? It's It's a tough situation to be in. And there's no right way if you're a manager or if you're a member of the Yankees organization trying to spew it out to the media. But I also don't think that having an outfield of besides Judge, you have either Carpenter and Wright, Gallo or Hicks. This had, this game ultimately, in my personal opinion, has to wake up Brian Cashman. He has to do some calls. We haven't obviously seen, seen any big trades yet. We won't get that for a couple of days, and I will be patient. But this has to tell you, besides our pitching in the bullpen, which you can pick up a low-key arm and turn into a better arm like Clay Holmes or Ron Marinaccio, whoever, but you have to get an established starter, and you also have to get an established bet. You can't go under with that stuff. Um, but it's in terms of starting pitching, I'm just worried. I really am. And the fact that, you know, you could say, well, JP Sears pitched the other day, which I believe he did. Is that correct, Luca? How many days ago did he pitch, if you remember? I can't remember, but it was in very short relief. If did I they send remember. him back down, I don't think they did. Let me check the active roster. I mean, putting JP Sears out there, or Clark Schmidt, rather, because he is up here. Since he come came off the injured list, is more is putting in a more competitive game than Domingo Herman. Uh, Sears is not on the roster, so that answers my question. And this is what I was talking about. I'm not trying to say I'm right about these types of things, but I've said it on live Twin Bills at least seventy times. The Yankees are going to have this problem when they come back with all these arms and all these unknowns and 
you know, Chapman and Herman, they're going to not do anything with them. So they're going to be forced to put, be put in roles. Herman, you know, he blew up the, what was it? The, the second Astros game. I yeah. bet you he does the same bullshit against the, Mets. the New York Mets. Good luck. But let me just say the lineup. Good luck. You're facing Max Scherzer, by the way. And here's the thing. I saw something on Twitter that's like, oh, well, you know, I get it. You know, you could rest stand for now. Uh, but October matters, not now matters. Here's why I will object to that. You need to keep as much of a lead over the Astros as possible. You cannot be mailing in games like you have been over the last few days. Um, you could really say that Orioles game was mailed in after the whole explosion. Shane Going Green. to Shane Green. That's again, we're all happy to, you know, nostalgia, but that's essentially like a revival project. The guy hadn't pitched in like a year, maybe. I don't know. He was in AAA, and he wasn't even going to AAA either. But that's, again, a reclamation project. You don't test that out in a very close game you're trying to win. No, absolutely correct. And it's not like, you know, we're the Mets and we're in their position where they have a two-game lead over the Braves. But essentially, put that in our situation, it's alike at the same time because we have a two-game lead over the Astros in terms of the first seed. Maybe one and a half or two and a half, but that's not long enough. And I know we can't put too much of a rush on these particular moves that the Yankees may or may not make. But going out there and not calling up a guy like Florio. And once again, I know, oh, well, what if the trade value goes to shit and all this stuff? But Tim LaCastro, is he really going to play the outfield on a, you know, is he really going to be out there? You could make your qualms and points about Aaron Hicks being the fourth outfielder once we get another outfielder and once Stanton becomes healthy. But should he really be starting this many games? Joey Gallo, we think he's going to get traded soon. But should he be in meaningful games? No. And I really don't like, and I get it, you know, everybody goes on IKF a lot, and I go on IKF a lot, but I would have kept IKF in there against Joey, uh, excuse me, against Edwin Diaz for Joey Gallo. I don't know what anyone was thinking. In See, that hold on, I'll, I'll disagree there. Not, I don't disagree with your point saying we shouldn't have pinch hit had Joey Gallo bat, but I don't think Diaz is in there unless, you know, I don't think Diaz is in there when IKF bats. Whoever was in there, it was Adovino, right? It was Adovino. It would have been Adovino versus Zycalf. And they put in Gallo. Buck Schultz says, you know what? I'm going to counter that move. I'm bringing my power reliever Diaz. I'm sorry. Everybody was saying Heyman, Sherman, all these different guys with the blue check marks. That was probably the most predictable strikeout ever. Heyman said, and I don't give Heyman too much credit, but he said two strikeout kings are at the plate. We all predicted 100 times out of 100 that that's going to be a strikeout. There's always that 0.1% chance he hits it out of the park. But up to that point, Adovino was walking dudes. And we know IKF isn't necessarily much of a walker, you know, the hit base hits and whatever. But I just didn't understand that. He struck out on what, four pitches almost? Something along the lines of that. And next up, you had Trevino. And what I didn't understand as well is they replaced him with Marwin Gonzalez. Now, could they still have brought in 
Um, what's his face? Edwin Diaz, if Marwin Gonzalez was up, yeah. But would I have more confidence in Marwin Gonzalez than Joey Gallo? Yeah, I would. I mean, I don't know who else is on the bench. Like Castro, I mean, he's not going to get the job done. He's not really that type of guy. He's a pitch runner. But it's it's just weird. It's a two-sided thing with the Yankees. And once again, people will see us as the complainers and all this other shit. But coming into this game, they rested Gallo. They put Carpenter in the outfield. And Carpenter isn't a great outfielder. There was, you know, when we went to that Reds game, he stuttered when going home. He hesitated. That's not something you do as an outfielder. He's not an everyday outfielder. Let him play the infield. Sure, he can play the outfield, but he's not. that's not somewhere you put him every day. And here's the thing that comes with that as well. And it goes back to my point of, well, you got to call up Florio or at least an experienced outfielder to play the outfield. A, on that play, Carpenter, and I know this was like two weeks ago, he needs to get his crow hop ready and throw home. And he needed to anticipate, and I'm not going to rip uh, Matt Carpenter too much because he's been a saint with the Yankees so far, at least with the bat. You need to anticipate that, look, if you're not Aaron Judge, you're not Giancarlo Stan, so they will run on you. But his inexperience, I mean, I don't know why they put him in right field that day. He had a home run, but it was just a weird move. And let me say something. Let me say something. After the series, they go against Kansas City. And it would be weird, actually, if they trade Benintendi and then he goes just right across the locker room, goes with the Yankees. I kind of disagree. I'll tell you why. I think I remember the scenario back in 2012 at the deadline. The Yankees acquired Ichiro. I think the next day, Ichiro played against his former team. That's trying to. That's me trying to remember. I, I don't remember it completely, but I do remember like it was like on that day. I think in Seattle they announced each year I was coming to be the Yan- to coming to the Yankees. Okay, so you know, make different scenarios as they are. Um, but what I will say this: they got Kansas City for four games. Whether they trade for somebody or not, they have a rather difficult August. Oh yeah, they do. I checked the schedule; it's brutal. Seattle. And I thought Seattle was going to be a breeze because we're going to one of the games. I thought Seattle was going to be a breeze. That's not the case anymore. They are second place. They're up 2-1 on the Rangers right now. Just saying. They got three games against Seattle. They got three games in St. Louis. uh, Excuse me, not in Seattle, but against Seattle. After St. Louis... They make a trip all the way out to the West Coast, three games in, in Seattle. Then they go three games in Boston. They do have an off day, but three games in Boston. I'm a little scared about it. They, they, the, they couldn't take the series in July. That's what kind of worries me. They should have taken the series before the All-Star break, whether it was 3-1 to one or a complete sweep. And, and we put our guard down. Here's what I'll say about this. Here's what I'll say about the whole Boston thing. I know Boston's collapsing right now. There's no, you know, way around. They're defunct. They're a defunct team, and I think they're in fourth place right now, maybe even fifth. I don't know. Um, I actually have the standings right here. Right now, they're in fifth place. They are at 500, which was a point that they were at in the beginning of the season. Yeah, they're a bad team. 
but do not hesitate to think that they will use us as a rebound. The American League East, outside of the Yankees, is very competitive. Now, it's wide open almost. Not the top, but you know the wild card spots. Right. Boston right now is three and a half out of a wild card. That's not too... Now, I don't know the schedule, but that's not too far-fetched. Because right now, the top spots are Toronto and Tampa. Then you got Seattle. I think they could breeze by Cleveland. I think they could eventually breeze by Baltimore. And same thing with the White Sox. I mean, I didn't even know the White Sox became over 500, but I don't think they're going to be doing anything. I think it's way too late in the season. So don't hesitate to think that they won't use us as a rebound. Then don't after that, Yeah, exactly. Uh, then after that, it's three games at home against Tampa Bay, which we've done well against them this season. There is no lie to that. Um, then Toronto. Now, we've talked about Toronto in many cases before as falling down, but uh, there's times where we've underestimated them and they've come and, you know, taken a series or possibly even, you know, lower than that. They've split a series with us. So they get that series. Then it's against the Mets at the stadium. A Monday, Tuesday, they better sweep Oakland. Then they go out to L.A. for two games. And to start the month of September, they, um, they're in Tampa. And then they come back against Minnesota, come back against Tampa Bay, and then at Boston, at Milwaukee, which is a really late series in the season. But um, it's a tough road in terms of the teams that you're facing over 500. And I'm not going to say, well, the Yankees haven't beat good teams because that would be a bullshit statement by myself. That would be a bullshit statement, and it is a bullshit statement. But to not sweep the Orioles when it was a very winnable game, to not win against the Mets in a very winnable game, they were up 2-0 in the first inning, and Monty gave it away. I don't, again, I, as everybody else prefaced it, Prefaces this on Twitter. I do not want to hear about Jordan Montgomery and run support anymore. If anything, he pitches better without run support because he keeps the game really close. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that point there. Who gave up the one run late in the game? Abreu. Because they didn't walk, again, that's one of my critiques on this game when it comes to managing. You know, I think Matt E. Hall tweeted out the Yankees still have a problem in the dugout with Aaron Boone, meaning that he's, you know, obviously fagazi, whatever you want to call it. You know, he's still error prone. I didn't like, you know, you had three, you had McNeil on 3 1. He's one of the best, he's one of the more underrated hitters in the game. He'll drive it to the opposite field. He'll drive in runs with two outs. You have runners in the corners, two outs, Albert Abreu pitching. Why do you not walk him there? And after Jeff McNeil is JD Davis. Exactly. He's in 236 on the season. I mean, he's been, he was, he's terrible this season. 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position. That's another killer. A lot of terrible ABs. Look at the ninth inning. LeMahieu swinging at bullshit pitches. That was Aaron, bad. Aaron Judge lucky to get on. Okay. Anthony Rizzo striking out. Glaber Torres even worse striking out on three pitches. Non-competitive at-bats with runners in scoring position. And this has not been a thing just now. It's been since the All-Star break. Even, I guess you could say, dating back to the Boston series before the break. Not, not even the home series. Yeah, the home series too. 
the first game of that series and the Boston series where we should have realistically swept them. We need to get, you know, acquisitions that can hit with runners in scoring position. We need to improve in that area. That's why I'm a big Ben Benintendi fan. He hits 292 in that situation. Yeah, and I believe that he actually would pop at Yankee Stadium with the short porch. I think he could possibly, what, he's got three home runs on the season? Second half. and guy's hitting like 327. Yeah, in like two months, maybe he gets up to 10, maybe 15 home runs. Like, maybe that's an overstretch. Um, But people could say, well, you know, Boone doesn't have a choice in that matter in terms of who he goes to. I mean... I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm just so irritated right now, and I'm puzzled. You know, and here, here's the thing too. I hate to say that one of the Mets fans are right now. I do have Mets fans that do follow me on the Twitter platform because they're Giant fans as well, and sometimes there are followbacks for followbacks. After the two home runs, this Mets fan goes, "The Yankees hit home runs because that's all they can do." The Yankees were 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position. And other than what was the other run that they had? I think it was like a double or something like that. Let me get to the uh let me get to the box where I think I have it available. Um it was a LeMahieu thing. It um let's see. Let's go to the uh let's go to the wrap here. Um, ground out. It was a ground out, right, right, right. So and there are things where you could take a chance on, in my opinion. There are things where you can take a chance on. Now, of course, sometimes it's in the moment, and you're like, okay, well, I understand that. Do you think that – well, actually, no. Let me start over. Would you second guess, based on revisionist history, would you second guess Rizzo hitting 3-0 with the bases loaded? Yes, I still do. I still do. I mean, he's a power hitter, but they were See, down here's the thing. Five, I get it. You know, people say, oh, it's two outs, this, this, and this. The guy who, who I think it was Adovino pitching, right? The, no, it was. I think it was still Tywin Walker. I'm still trying to think. The guy wasn't throwing strikes at all. You wait for, you wait for your pitch. I get it. 3-0, three, three, oh, you want to be aggressive. But that it just didn't seem like the pitch. You wait for you wait for that strike. You wait for strike one. Sure, it might have been the best pitch to the at-bat. I just still disagree there. I don't give him the green light there because you have two outs. It's not like one out where you hit a deep sack fly and one of the runners score. It's not that situation. I wouldn't yeah, have given him the green light. Yeah, you're down in that situation. It's not like it's, okay, it's 6 nothing, 3-0, hit a home run, and the other manager gets mad at you. You're down, what, five, what was it, 5-3 at that point? So, I mean... I just feel like Rizzo's been struggling outside of that home run. And I Oh, he like, has. He has. It's a little concerning. Yeah. Um, now, let me ask you this question, and we'll get into trade rumors maybe in a little bit. Based on this game, calling wise and some of the later mistakes, maybe factor in hitting as well. Are you concerned that Trevino is not a full-time catcher? Now, of course... We're going to have people come at us if they watch this podcast. Be like, oh, well, Trevino's the best thing since popcorn. We get it. He was an all-star. But I want to hear your thoughts, Luca. I still think he can call a game, but I do think he needs a better running mate behind him. Like the Ken Rosenthal mentioned this. I think it was another team 
the Mets and the Yankees were all interested in Sean Murphy. If you get a better run running me behind him, it just makes everything better for the pitchers. And it puts a little, I can say a little more pressure on Trevino to perform at the plate. And let me say this as well. Let me say this as well. The Miami Marlins are having a fire sale. Yes, sir. You know what I'm getting at? Jacob Stallings. He's, he hasn't had the greatest year offensively. So I don't care about that. You don't. No, I do not. I honestly um, prefer Sean Murphy in this situation when it comes to offensive production. Because okay. here's the thing. You want the stats. Okay, Once I have the stats. Ex- I have. The point. Um, you know, Higashioka is just a black hole. Like, he, first of all, he does two things wrong, in my opinion. Is he, is he good defensively? Yeah, he's solid. But he doesn't frame well. A, B, he does not call a game well. C, he's a black hole in the lineup whenever you play him. Even if it's once a week, you know he's going to get out. And he either pops up or strikes out. I'm going to present you Sean Murphy's stats and why I think we need a little bit on, on the offensive end. Sure, Stallings is a great defensive catcher, but I think Murphy you know, fits what we need a little bit. Sean Murphy this season, 11 home runs, 40 RBIs, uh, 244 batting average, 322 OBP, and a 748 OPS. With that, 300 in the last seven games, and with runners in scoring position, may I add, um, runners in scoring position, let's see. Usually Yahoo has that. He's 203, but you know what? That's not my main concern with, like, you know, the catcher's position. They'll be deep down in the lineup. The guys that will get the runners home will be through the middle or top of the order. I just – he gives me a little more offensive potency, essentially. Yeah. By the way, we have that 10 minutes thing again. So if we go to like two minutes, and I'll make sure Pete edits this out, of course. If we go to like two minutes, I'll end the meeting. We'll, we'll go on another subject, whatever. Um, with that being said, you brought some you know very good points about Sean Murphy. Um, would you be mad if they got Stallings, though? If he's better than Higashioka offensively and I can value him, Yes, I think he, yeah, Stallings is a great, is like an excellent defensive catcher, framer, all that. So I wouldn't mind it completely. Maybe he couldn't call a game better. I mean, hell, look at the year Sandy Alcantara is having. See, here's the thing with that. Here's the thing with that. Um, I understand the angle you're looking at, and I feel like you you have good points, definitely. You wouldn't need to worry about Stallings not hitting if the Yankees did their job. If they went to get another third baseman or just kept Gio Urshela. And you could still get Benintendi or maybe even Juan Soto. Juan Soto really, um, he kind of muffles any offensive inconsistencies that Jacob Stallings may have. But more in the Cashman type realism Benintendi in my opinion is not going to be able to shade out the Stallings offensive consistencies in San Diego and the thing what you you'll get with that is the inconsistencies in terms of the decision making you will still have Hicks playing the outfield and they're not trading for two outfielders we may not see Stanton until late August early September right so Hicks will be playing Uh, didn't Chapman have that? Yeah, I swore he did. Okay. 
So you'll have Hicks play meaningful games. And I understand, yes, he's been down, uh, you know, he's been, excuse me, he's been good down the stretch thus far. I'm not going to bet on that, though. Carpenter, he's not really an outfielder. Marwin, not really an outfielder. So you will still have Hicks and Gallo. Well, I mean, Gallo, if he gets traded, hopefully he does. I'm pretty sure on that. But if he doesn't get traded or if they keep LaCastro up, you really don't want those guys playing meaningful uh, reps. But that's what's going to happen. So that's why the offensive inconsistent we see worries. Uh, I could see, obviously, you have with Stallings and how it get mixed gets mixed up into the lineup. Um, so you said the Mets, the Yankees, and one other team are interested in him in terms yeah. of Murphy? Okay. Um, now, let me ask you this. Would you try to get anybody on the Marlins other than Jacob Stallings? Pablo Lopez, I'm a fan of personally. I think, he, yes, he's a, he's the number two to Sandy Alcantara, but I think he's a very good pitcher as well. Like he's one of those. Yeah, obviously the target is Castillo, but I think he's like a second or th- valuable third option. You want to look at the stats? All right, so let me get you Pablo Lopez's stats at the moment. I think he's like six and five or something like that. He has an ERA. Or, he actually pitched today, by the way. Pitched. Wow. Right. 11, he struck out 11 reds today. So that probably boosts his trade stock even more. So on the season, 118 strikeouts over 116 innings, 7 and 5 with a 303 ERA, 1.04 whip. Um, what else? Uh, 205 opposing batting average, ground outs to air outs, 1.38. Um, let me see the strikeouts per walk. I think I have it here. Strikeouts per walk, 3.37. Ks per nine innings, 9.16. Okay. Um, he's right also now. held – let me also say he's also held uh, – he's also held batters to their lo- to their lowest on-base percentage opposing in his career. So this is like his best year, and I okay. think he can get better. Okay. Um, so right now in comparison, Monty has a 2-3-6 batting average against – so, as long as in due time, it makes sense. And right. thing with Lopez is I don't know how much control you get over the next few years, uh, but Monty's a free agent year after this, uh, year after next, and then you got Ty on next year, and then maybe some guys from the rotation, uh, excuse me, bullpen fill it in. Um, but I don't see that as a bad move. Maybe uh, some other moves that come from that bullpen or, you know, whatever. You know, let me also say the Tigers are also having a fire sale. Yeah, they are. Uh, let me all just let me also just say I looked up his baseball savant page. Uh, Jacob Stallings is not even having good year defensively. So here you got the uh, statistics here: negative six catcher framing runs and a forty five point three percent catch uh, strike rate, which is kind of below average. It's in the blue color. So a comparison to Sean Murphy, plus six catcher framing runs. This is actual. This is an actual stat, by the way, recorded by MLB.com as well. Trevino is the league leader. Jonah Heim second. What about Jonah Heim, Alex? What do you think of him? We don't even know if the Rangers are selling. In my opinion, you, you don't think they will? Weren't they? Were we talking about the Rangers being contested for Soto or someone else? I, I know it's speculation, and it's just all of us talking, and you know. Who, whether it was me, you, or Donald, or whatever, and just teams that would go after Soto. But then somebody bring up the Rangers because 
I don't think they're selling. A, Jonah Heim has been great for them. B, they got all the money invested in Seager, Gray. Um, Marcus Semien. Marcus Semien with Kumar Rocker and uh, Jack Leiter coming up in the next few years. So I think it's in their best interest that they should keep a catcher who calls the game good and he's got offensive production. Um to stay on the roster with the young cats coming up and John Gray, hopefully he finds himself the fuck out. So I, I don't see them selling, but um, Sean Murphy was a gold glove in, in 21, but I'm surprised you look at baseball savant. Yeah. It's like, I kind of find a little, like, I don't look at the pro the, uh, the percentiles, like how they say with percentage, this and this and this. I look deeper when it comes to fielding. I actually kind of found this just right now with the catcher frame runs, the strike rate, strike rates better. Than Jacob Stallings. The catcher frame and runs is better than Jacob Stallings. The pop time to second base is better than Jacob Stallings. So I think Sean Murphy's had the better defensive year and he's also had better offense production. In reference to what I just said before, Alex, the Tigers are also hit the sell button. You know, the Tigers, you know, they spent big on Javier Baez. They also spent big on Eduardo Rodriguez. I don't know how they're doing personally, but I've heard, well, I haven't heard. But I look at these three names that I've been staring at since, you know, the rumors since before. I look at three guys for the bullpen for the Yankees. I have Gregory Soto, I have Andrew Chafin, I have Michael Fulmer as well. So I'm going to go with these stats here. Chafin, I think he is a he's controllable to about next year. So he might be just be a rental. He might not be. 0-1, 2.64 ERA, one save, 30.2 in thirds innings, 37 strikeouts in 36 games. He's been used a lot. 1.8 whip. Uh, going down to his further stats, a 214 opposing average with 24 hits and 30.2 innings, 1.07 ground outs to air outs, uh, 1.08 whip. With that, uh, let's see here. The K not strikeouts per nine innings is 10.86, walks per nine innings is 2.64, and the hits per nine innings is about 7.04. So, I guess you can kind of call it a little concerning. Um, Home runs per nine he doesn't give up the long ball line, and strikeouts per walk, 4.11. So what are your thoughts on Andrew Chafin before I go to the next player? I've always had a liking for Andrew Chafin, at least this year. Um, when the bullpen started struggling, I started looking at names, and I'm like, Andrew Chafin is one of the guys that stands out to me. And my question always was, well, are the Detroit Tigers going to be selling? They invested in Water Rodriguez. They invested in Javi Baez. Um, they also traded for Tucker Barnard, so are they going to be selling? And now that that report came out that the Miami Marlins and the Detroit Tigers are selling, well, the Yankees, in my opinion, should go get two relievers. Um, there are some pretty good names on that list you mentioned. Gregory Soto, uh, Andrew Chafin, as I mentioned, who I've had my eyes on, and Michael Fulmer, who used to be a starter, um, was one of the guys that actually did start that infamous 2017 brawl. But... With that being said, he's had some pretty good stats over the years. Um, I'm pretty sure he was an all-star this year. Maybe, maybe not. But Who's that? Fulmer, maybe? I, I know, he's I know been... Soto was a two-time all-star this year and last year. So let me look at Fulmer. He's had some acknowledgments and some awards over the last Fulmer year. Fulmer was an all-star back in 2017. That's when he was still was a starter. Okay, so I was a little bit wrong on that one. But he's still got some good stats on the year. Um that technically is their closer, so I don't know that they would trade him. Um, it depends, once again, on their long-term vision. On the other hand, he is a free agent next year. So 
if the Yankees want to pull somebody, you know, into that closer role and they don't feel comfortable with Loisega, which I don't want to say that Loisega was a super one-year wonder, but I you can't take any chances at this point. So I would get a guy like Fulmer, maybe put him in a setup role. Same thing could be said with Gregory Soto, like late innings guy. And you, I think, really need another lefty. Uh, Andrew Chafin does fit the mold because Wandy Peralta is one of the lefties coming out of the pen, and that's it. Uh, J.P. Sears, yes, but he's he down, he's down triple boy. He goes up and down and up and down. So that's not really, you know, you're missing Lucas reliable. Slidke as well. That's not reliable. That's not reliable right there. That's Andrew Chapman. That's not again. Not going to tell you again. That's not reliable. That's not reliable. So Andrew Chafin, Gregory Soto, pick two out of the hat. Brian Cashman, pick two out also, of Also, Gregory Soto, actually, let me give you his pitch types, by the way. I know we're on Chafin, but four-seam fastball, a sinker ball pitcher, which the Yankees love their sinker ball pitchers. You have Wandy, you have Clay Holmes, who mastered the sinker ball. I think he fits right in. He actually throws it 37% of the time compared to his fastball, 40% of the time. Soto has a very nice slider, throws about 20% of the time, and changeup really hasn't been used so like a lot this season that he's he's only thrown so many pitches in there so put away percentage the fastball has the highest but second is going to be the sinker at 11.6 percent so awesome stuff opposing batting average the fastball again is the less hit same with the sinker comes in second so Love the numbers there when it comes to fa- comes to fastball sinker. Good to overpower somebody and good to get contact outs as well. I think we have talking Luca right here. Talking Luca, yes, that's really and, and the and the whiff percentage on the four seam fastball is around thirty percent. So I really like that a lot. Um, slider is very much whiffed on as well, but it's used to a lesser extent. So you got to measure out the numbers too. So I really like what Gregory Soto is about. Isn't Chafin a sinker pitcher as well? All right, I'll get to Chafin right now. Now, he really ranks high amongst the MLB percentile rankings per baseball savant. I know Alex hates that as much as anybody. So let me get to his pitches. Sinker is his primary pitch. The second is the slider. The third is the fastball. He does use a changeup, but it's not. He's. I think he's only thrown one changeup this year, apparently, according to this. But so let's look at the numbers. Uh, with percentage, the slider holds the the uh, it holds the crown for the with percentage sixty point two percent. With percentage, put away percentage twenty six point seven percent. The sinker comes second with an 18% whiff percentage, 8% put away. The fastball puts away more batters. Uh, the, the opposing batting average, by the way, let me see if I can find it here. Sinkers hit a lot, though. It's hitting 357 as one, and it's kind of a worrying factor, but it's not because it is one of his more commonly thrown pitches. The slider, oh boy, 45. 0.045 is the batting average against the slider this year. His fastball is also a little more hittable, 269. As I mentioned, he does give up a decent amount of hits. So, again, I'm still up on Chafin, but if you want power, you're going with Gregory Soto. And then review Michael Fulmer for us. All right. So, Michael Fulmer, obviously a transformed starter to reliever. 
Um, let me just pull this up real quick. Michael Fulmer, as you mentioned, is now pretty much their closer. So we don't know if they will get rid of him. In the baseball savant percentile rankings, he's mostly in the reds and the little whites. So he's, he's either great or average or possibly good. Um, let's see. Let's go down a little bit. Uh, he has a slider. He has a curveball, a sinker, and a fastball and a changeup. So his most commonly used pitch is the slider at 64%. Coming in second is the sinker ball pitcher. Now, these three, as I mentioned, are all sinker ball pitchers, Chafin, Fulmer, and Soto. The Yankees love their sinker ball pitchers, as I mentioned. Fulmer, I'm sorry, not Fulmer, Clay Holmes and Wandy Peralta often use that sinker ball. Um, let's move down to the most commonly hit pitches, which is not. The, the whiff percentage, the highest, comes with the changeup. It is, but you have to keep in mind the uh, sample size. He's only thrown about 31 changeups this year, and it's around 44%. But if you want to be on balance, the 35%, 35.5% with percentage on the four-seam fastball is the highest if you want to go by sample size. But the slider is the most heaviest pitch in Fulmer's arsenal, 32.1% with percentage and a 26.3% put-away percentage. Along with, an, along with an opposing batting average of 152, a slugging percentage of 215. So he's really dominant with that slider. He could put you away with that. Throws it about 64% of the time. So, yeah, he throws it more commonly also to the right-handed hitters. You could, he's pretty much throwing it away from the batter. So there's that. So, you know what? I got When it comes to the pitchers now, I really got to look at these st statistics. They kind of impress me. Because you know what? Again, we come on here saying we hate the baseball savant. We hate the baseball analytics, all the new age stuff. But these are like the advanced stats I really like. Fucking Luca. Um, with that being said, though. Yeah. Unless, I, would you like to hear his expected batting average? No. Um. With that being said, however, with that being said, you have sold me on Gregory Soto as one of the better relievers. Um, there's Scott Barlow. There's Lance Bednar. Would you like to hear his uh, stat cast? Oh, by the way, the Yankees are interested in Bednar. By the, the way. The Pirates are not giving him up, though. I disagree. I heard some reports that he's going to be shopped around quite a bit. So what do you want to hear next, Scott Barlow or David Bednar? Well, we'll go to those two in just a second. But what is the – now, this is something to think about. What's the most you would give up for one of those three pitchers from the Detroit Tigers, knowing that some of them are free agents next year? They're young. I'd cats. say – again, sim I'd say similar, in my opinion, to a Benintendi package since some of them might be rentals. I'd say like a B or C prospect, maybe like a, somebody who could start immediately, like a Florial and Duhar, maybe a Peraza. We'll see. So not a lot of them – let me double check this real quick. I know you said that Fulmer's close to being a free agent. I'm going to double check on that. Uh, Michael Fulmer. He Fulmer is, is a free agent next year. Yes. Uh, let's check Andrew Chafin. I can look this up. Uh, Chafin is a free agent in 2024, but he does have an opt-out available after this year. So he can opt into $6.5 million. Force Gregory Soto, one of their younger pitchers. You have a ton of control on him, man. Arbitration one, two, and three, 2023, 2023, 2024, 2025, 2026 is when he's first hitting free agency. 
So if you want control, Soto is that guy. That's the other Soto we need to talk about. Yes, Gregory Soto. Um, but yeah, I agree with you in terms of the package for those type of guys. Uh, go, we'll go into Scott Marlowe and we'll go into um, David Lance Bednar. Bednar. I thought it was Lance Bednar. David Bednar. Okay, maybe I got fixed up, mixed up. Um, but David Bednar, Scott Barlow, and then we'll talk about Brian Reynolds a little bit, and then we'll start closing out. Yeah. So MLB percentile rankings for Scott Barlow, they love him on baseball savant, mostly in the red, in the darker red. Usually that means good or great statistics. So let's go down to some of his pitches. Slider, that's his primary. Curveball, fastball, and sinker. Only He's only thrown one sinker this year. So let's go down. Let's see which most pitch is unhittable, which pitch is the least hittable. So he throws the slider about 44% of the time, and which it is a whiff, produces a whiff percentage of 29.9%, nearing 30%. The batting average is 191. The Let's see, the slugging percentage is 294. The put-away percentage is 18.8. However, the curveball is a little more effective. 27% put-away percentage, 42% whiff percentage. Opposing average, 115. Slugging percentage, 213. This commonly is thrown on the curveball. The curveball is commonly thrown on the left-handed batters. For the slider, it's commonly thrown on the right-handed batters. So you're thinking away, away, away. Uh, the four-seam fastball, thrown a little less common, but he still throws it a lot. 23.5% of the time he throws it. Uh, batting average is 371, which is, again, you're be- get- he's getting beat on his third best pitch. Slugging percentage 600, 11.4% with percentage. So, again, it's not his primary pitch. It's his third best option. So it- there's not too much concern there. I still like Barlow, even from the basic stats. But he he's he and if you could get a trade for Benintendi and Barlow, I'm all in. I agree. He's also in the let me just say he's also in the top eight percentage in hard hit percentage. Yeah, no, that's 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 probably one of one of my favorite stats right there. That's all sarcasm. And then we go to uh, Bednar, David Bednar. So let's see how they rank him. Most mostly good, I'd say, around average to good. Not a lot of great stuff. Some bad. Ben Nor, obviously pitching for the Pirates, was drafted by the Padres. So his numbers this year, his strikeout percentage, by the way, is top 6% in the league. 33% strikeout percentage of his hitters. But he does get hard hit a lot, 46.8%, which is bottom of the league. Same with the exit velo, bottom eight of the league. Forcing fastball is his primary pitch. He also introduces a curveball and a split finger fastball. So pitch percentage will go with the first four-seam fastball. That's who he throws more commonly. Whiff percentage, 32.6% and 26.1%. Put away percentage, 253 on the fastball. Not a big fan of that since that is his primary pitch. Usually you want to get – you don't want to get beat on your best pitch a lot. Maybe the stats are a little bit skewed since he's pitching for a piss-poor team. Slugging percentage, 432. Um, let's see, the – 54 again 50 used 54.8 percent of the time 231 usually used against the righties rather than the lefties so there's that not a big fan of how hard he's hit on the four seamer curveball second most used pitch 28.5 percent of the time 
40.3% whiff rate, a little higher than the fastball. Same with the put-away percentage, 31%. Now this is hit less, 171 bat, batting average against, 286 slugging percentage. And uh, I think we could call it that for uh, David Bednar. What are your thoughts? Let me also, let me introduce the, the uh, split finger fastball. Use 16% of the time, 154 batting average against, 171 expected batting average. 179 slugging, and you also have the put-away percentage of 29.8, which is higher than the four-seamer, not bigger than the curveball percentage. Same with the 31.9%, which is actually the lowest whiff rate out of all of his pitches if you want to compare the numbers particularly. So Bednar seems like a good – maybe the stats are skewed again because he's pitching for a piss-poor team, but those are your stats for Bednar. Alex, you're muted. I'll take Barlow and Soto. I'll take uh, I'll take Barlow and Soto. Uh, you know, Soto by himself, maybe Barlow and Benatendi, the Killer Bees. Um, you know, with Fulmer being probably second, uh, Chafin maybe being third, and fourth being Bednar. Maybe you could mix and match Chafin. But uh, what are your thoughts on the Yankees apparently nonstop calling the Pirates about Brian Reynolds? It's very interesting because I didn't see this coming, honestly. Like, I knew the Yankees were probably interested. I think they were interested in the, maybe the offseason. Not having the best year for his standards, but I think he's going to rebound. I really do. I think he's going to rebound, and that shouldn't, you know, people say, oh, he's having his worst year. Yeah, but he's better than Aaron Hicks. He's better than Joey Gallo. I mean, I think see, that's he's, the one see here's the thing. Day. He's a, he's the first option on a piss poor Pirates team. Probably you could say he's like their best hitter. But I will also say once he's coded by Judge LeMahieu, um, Stanton, whoever you want to put Rizzo, that's going to make him a lot better. Putting better guys around him, and he's a predominantly center fielder, right? Yeah. So Judge also switched legs. getting bat. Right, so Judge's legs won't have to face too much wear and tear. Play stand in the outfield when you have to. And let me say this. Everybody's, you know, on Twitter clowning. Oh, well, you know, Stan got hurt because of the All-Star game and him playing in the outfield. This is bullshit, okay? He fucked it up, in my opinion, in the Houston series. This guy, let's be real, has had injuries over the course of his career. So let's not say, oh, well, it was if it was a home run derby, different story. But it was the All-Star game and that was fine for him. Same thing can be said with, um, you know, him playing the outfield over the course of the year. I have no problem with that. That's what he needs to do. And you don't want to be playing, once again, Hicks and LaCastro extra days more than you have to. So if you trade for Soto, you trade for Benintendi, you trade for um, Reynolds, Reynolds in center, judge in right, standing in left, mix and match. It's not that hard. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm actually pretty surprised that the Yankees have – Reportedly nonstop called uh, the Pirates, but it's just especially also... that it might that especially that it might surmount a big return, right? And maybe you could package him with Bednar, package him with a different reliever, but also once again it comes down to the other trades and also you know I would say qualifications for the other trades of how much you're going to give up. Um, but you would definitely have to give up Peraza. Dominguez would be in that trade as well. Uh, I don't know if it would count Volpe, but if Volpe. Was asked for. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna ask for like the top three prospects. Maybe you'll have to give up one or two, but not like three. No, I mean not three. But if it did, if they did say okay, Volpe, then I would give him up. If it's a package of Bednar and Reynolds, because once again, 
Ron's kind of convinced me. Shout out to Roth Thompson, by the way. He was talking with me uh, when we were just standing around after uh, after the interview and the pictures and stuff. He's like, dude, I've seen it for many years. These prospects don't mean shit. So you know what? If they trade Volpe to the Pirates, if they trade Volpe to the Nationals, that's you know, it's not my concern. I know a lot of people have uh, been mad at me for my views on that, but I don't care. Um, what was I going to say? So do we have anything else on the baseball subject before we get into our I remember we're going to make predictions on the terms of the biggest names on the market. Okay, so do you want to save that for last or do you want me to just go into the story? We'll go into it right now. How about that? And then we'll end off the story. Okay. So who do you think the Yankees will get at the deadline? Um, let me just name some like out, outside free agents. Not free agents, biggest names. I think Juan Soto is going to the Dodgers. I don't think the Yankees are getting it. I don't think the Mets are getting him. Um, let's see. Wilson Contreras, I think he's going to be a Met. I think David Robertson is going to be a Met. Uh, let's see. Brian Reynolds, I think he'll go elsewhere. I do think Ben Intendi ends up being a Yankee. Same with Andrew Chafin. Not Andrew Chafin, Scott Barlow, because they like his you know numbers a lot. Uh, Castillo, I think he'll be a Yankee because he's probably in the most in the running. The Yankees are willing to include Peraz in that deal. That's how I see it. I think it's going to be Volpe, not Volpe, Benintendi, Barlow, and Castillo. That's going to be the deadline. And I would be very happy with that. Yeah, I think it's going to be Benintendi and Castillo too, not to you know go with your thing. Obviously, we try to differentiate, but when we agree, we agree. I think it's going to be Benintendi. I think it's going to be Castillo. Could they get Barlow? It's definitely on the table. They also, um, I feel like they have another relief pitcher that nobody's talking about. Maybe, maybe not. Josh something. Josh something on the. uh, Okay. Royals, Josh, Josh Stalmont. That's another name. That's another name. So maybe it's not Barlow, it's Stalmont. But they could also go into another trade and go get a guy like Gregory Soto, give up you know, B and C prospects for him. I mean, I wouldn't expect uh, much of a giveaway in that. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, that's a deadline you could ask for. That's a deadline that would be a win, uh, at least in my book, for the New York Yankees and would get them very much closer to the Houston Astros despite the records being uh, different and, and the Yankees really being in front, of course, there. So anyway, we have story time. I know some of you tuned in to the boys and big apple podcast on monday for the story and we gave some detail um pete gave a vague emphasis on the story gave vague detail summary summary basically but i I do want to go into a little bit of detail for some people who didn't see it so we left the somerset patriots game and you know it was nice the interview with sparky lyle even though they kept playing the music fucking too loud and we couldn't hear him a lot but i heard the answer to my question which was most important um so we leave the game, fifth, sixth inning. We have to because, you know, it's 100 degrees outside A. B, with that being said, a lot of places in Jersey close early. So right. we go to this place called the Gasolinas, whatever the fuck it's called. And it's an Italian restaurant. Gasolinas. I'm so, I, I still even, find that funny. I don't even know what its name is. I don't care. So we go in. We're like, you know, okay, table for nine. Girasol, 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 whatever. So the woman's like, you know, uh, we're not seating outside. 
basically turned us away. And apparently she didn't have a nice attitude. Meanwhile, three people walked in uh, after us and they got seats. We didn't have a reservation. So apparently that was why we were kicked. We weren't kicked, but we weren't let in. We weren't sat down and served. So next restaurant, um, which was number one bar and grill, number one, supposedly. Uh, what did it look like, Alex, to you? It looked like somebody's house. It looked like a shack. With the cellar? Uh, with a cellar. With a cellar. So um, Joe and Donald go in, or Francis and Donald go in, and then they open the door, like, shut the door, the AC's on, in a very nasty tone. So Donald's, way- Donald detailed like it was like you're a cowboy going into saloon and they're all looking at you funny. Yeah. So they're waving us back. We're like, okay, take two. Now it's going to be take three. So we go to this restaurant. 22 Tap Bar and Grill. 22 Tap Bar and Grill. Closes at 8 o'clock, which is typical fucking Jersey. And with that being said, we get sat down and the host is like, well, you better order soon within the next three minutes because we close at 8. So we sit down. We're thinking over our orders, but we're like, do we really want to get rushed? I feel bad for the waiter because he was actually very nice and he was trying to, you know, get us to sit down and relax. But of course, uh, we were going to be rushed out of there. And that's not how I want to go about the rest of my night. Uh, So we all left. Alex, what did you say? What did you think the sign said? Enjoy tits. So um, with that being said, Joe gets on the phone with Maggiano's and uh, he's like, hi, uh, you know, table for nine do you have availability we're gonna be there in like two minutes she goes oh do you want a reservation he goes no we're gonna be there soon so either she didn't understand him or joe was being joe and he's like either we come now we don't come at all i believe she hung up the phone on him at least i'm getting that correctly so joe was being joe i thought it was funny we all Uh, died laughing yep and then luca calls up mama rosina's uh, and then they say, okay, uh, table for nine. We're, we have seating. So we go there. It's near a construction site. There was a train station behind it. So it looked Bound really, Brook. really weird. We must, again, it was the Boundbrook train station. We must have passed it on the way to Somerset. Yeah. So we go in and the place just irked us. The place just irked us for some Joe, reason. Joe, I remember Joe walking in. He was like, what are we in church? It was like very dim lighting. So we get sat down and then there's this bitch waitress with the waters. And she's like, excuse me. Like, that's the way you talk to her. First of all, the thing was the table was sticky. Yeah, the table was sticky. And water was spilled when she was, you know, doing the filling up the cups. So, yeah. Um, So, you know, I'm thinking to myself, do you kiss your father with that mouth? (laughs) So there's that. But. Um, we order drinks, guy comes over, whatever we get the bread and Pete said it was still, I'm like, that's probably shit. They buy at shop, right? So the place started irking us and we had to wait. People like, were staring at us, by the way. Yeah. I remember there was like an old couple, like sitting over there, like in the corner, just looking at us. I'm like, what? Yeah. What? what are you looking at? Um, so Luca, what'd you say about the bathroom and how the place looked about the Sopranos and whatever? First of all, the place inside looked like a Sopranos meeting place. It looked like where Johnny Sack and uh, Carmine and Lubertazzi discussed their deals in like their little meeting place in New York. And when I walked into the bathroom a little later on, Alex will get to the later part of the story. I felt when I went into the hallway, you have the women's bathroom on the left, you have the men's bathroom on the right. I 
the lighting of the hallway made it look like the bathroom from The Godfather, where Michael Corleone grabs the gun from behind the toilet and goes out and kills McCluskey and Salazzo. And they, by the way, in the bathroom, they did not have soap. Or at mm. least they ran out of it. So I eat some of the shop right bread. And then Joe's like, I don't know if I want to order what I want to order. So anyway, I think Francis felt the same way. Francis felt the same way. Who was sitting next to me? Francis was. And then uh, the guy comes over. Francis is like, skip me. Joe's like, skip me. And he's like, you know what? I'll come back. I'm very busy right now. I got other people. And Jaira, Pete's fiance, is like, you know what? You cancel that order. We just want our check. And we were about to blitz the hell out of there. So um, before we got whacked. Before we got whacked, yes. Um, so we get the check. She writes in it, you need customer service lessons. You're very rude. So we go outside and we're like, you know what? Should we go somewhere else? Should we just split up? And I really wanted to stay among the group, but also if they were going to split, I'd be like, you know what? We're going to go to the perfect pint in the city. Um, you know, Matt and his brother will join us. Donald will be with us. And, and that's pretty much that. So we're discussing. And then Pete brings up the restaurant at the hotel they're staying at so with that being said we were talking about okay so he's about to make the phone call and the guy comes out the manager comes out with the check and he's like i don't appreciate this uh you're not welcome back in my business so i start tapping pete like this and he turns around and he goes you got some fucking balls you cocksucker and he's just screaming at him Jaira and Joe were holding him back. I called the guy a cocksucker. I said, I flipped the guy off. I yep, was proud of that moment. Yep, we we flipped the guy off. And, um, you know, uh, what was it? And say? I think Dot and Matt's like, I was like, Matt, get in the car. And Matt told us later on, he's like, I thought that guy was going to pull out a gun. <laughs> Imagine we got whacked. Um, but, uh, you know, and then the guy went back inside. I called him a cocksucker. I said, Your Italian food is so bad. Joey Gallo likes it. Then uh, when Pete was calling the uh, the hotel, he was like this right at. Uh, yeah, right at the uh, right at the restaurant. And then the cooks were outside. So Francis told him what happened. Basically, he's like, you know, your manager fucked up. This guy's known on YouTube and they were nice. But to be real, if your cooks got time to stand outside smoking and you got time to come outside and yell at us about you don't appreciate something then you have time to wait for our orders to come. Yes. Waiter. That's literally in your job. So to end the story off, um, we went to the hotel they were staying at. They checked in. Uh, It was very secluded, though. It was was weird to get to, but the food was good for hotel restaurant food. We had a nice time, talked about business, and really had a good time. But Luca, final thoughts on all of this and whatnot. Listen, by the time we're next, we'll be live next episode. We'll be sure of that. But the next time we'll be on air, the deadline will be gone. And the Yankees may or not, may or may not have new additions. I'm interested to see what they do. They have to make moves. Yep. So be sure to like, comment, subscribe. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Um, Turn on the notification bell so you know when game season, live podcasts, live chats are live. Um, also new videos like this one, but we appreciate you guys. And, uh, till next time, peace later. Before it hits the front page.